3: Hello! I am back with a special series of Food for Thought. Thank you so much for all of the love and support I've received over the past couple of months. For those of you that are listening, that are avid fans, I have had my second... Gorgeous little baby boy. And I've been adapting to life as a mum of two, but the podcast is here. We are back. And for those that may not know, my name is Rhiannon Lambert. I'm a registered nutritionist, a Sunday Times bestselling author, and founder of the Harley Street Clinic Retrition, also the evidence based supplements company Retrition Plus. Now, There are some areas of nutrition that as a nutritionist I'm asked about them all the time. And this idea really came to me because I just thought, we just need a straight to the point series that covers everything you need to know on each individual topic, spanning from calories to supplements, your fitness regime. So over the next eight weeks, the carefully selected episodes will go into great depth to give you all the advice you need to know. Myth-busting nutrition, and of course, the goal of this podcast is to empower you with evidence-based advice from the leading experts in their fields. The conversation about calories is constant, and for one reason or another, um, they're hitting the headlines, and the latest being the introduction of them listed on all menus in the UK. Now, calories have been made into a complex and never-ending conversation, probably fueled by social media heavily as well, yet the facts are actually very simple. This week's Food for Thought shares all the facts that you need to know about calories and highlights many of the misconceptions that we're best to avoid. There's a lot of nuance and we've picked some incredible experts to lead this conversation. I start with the amazing registered nutritionist, Glennis Jones from the Association for Nutrition. Now, Glennis and I discuss all sorts of things here from, of course, the common theory of calories to lose weight then delving even further into the fact of how available they are within our body and of course we go into the fact that you should be taking the right type of advice from the right people when it comes to calorie counting. So have a listen to this discussion with Glennis and I. Let's start off by the school of thought that all calories are the same but are they really equal? Are they the same? So
4: yes and no. From an analytical point of view, yes they are, because when we calculate a calorie, we look at how much energy does it take to raise a kilo of water by one degree. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, yes they're all the same. But actually to our body, no they're not, because they're not all available to us. And that's the
3: difference. Are a calorie a calorie because is it available to you? Yeah, and that's, what I think, where people get it wrong, because it's, it's a very simplistic message, isn't it? Yeah,
4: because when you want to analyse it to be able to put it on a packet of your pasta or your grapefruit or whatever you're buying, obviously they can only test it in a lab. Yeah. Or well, actually now we have these wonderful books that we can look them up because obviously we've got lots of tables from over the years. And we can look at it that way. But actually what is available to us is different.
3: So if we break down for our listeners what we mean by what is available, um, is it how we absorb them? Yeah. So
4: how much can we get out of that? So if we think about carbohydrates, we pretty much can get most of the energy out of a carbohydrate. Our starchy complex carbs, we get a little bit less from, Mm -hmm. but our sugars, we pretty much get all of the energy. However, we also need to think about the quality of what we're having. So the quality of what we're consuming but also the quality of our life Mm. so it comes together but at the end of the day yes if we consume more calories than what we are burning off we will put on weight Mm. so actually if we're consuming roughly 100 calories more than what we're burning off every single day then over a year we will put on about 10 pounds yeah so actually it's that extra little snack every day that (laughs) can actually sneak up on us That's actually just a fact of life Mm. Um, and that's actually why as a nation we do have an epidemic with obesity but actually from a deficit point of view we actually have to have quite a large deficit to actually then get that weight reduction so actually from a message yes it is calorie reduction and increasing our activity and ideally doing them together but actually not at the detriment of the quality of the diet You could do it by having the worst diet in the world Um, by getting purely a reduction in your calories. And we know that actually from starvation diets. And I think when people actually in the worst situations, they have such an extreme diet and you will lose weight because you've got a calorie deficit. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean you're going to be healthy. No. And that's when you can find deficiency diseases coming in and that individual becoming really quite unhealthy. From a point of view of the individual, you want them to be losing weight in a healthy way not just for their body but also for their mental health if you're starting to lose weight in extreme ways and losing it very quickly you're also unlikely to do that in the long term so actually we know people who lose weight very very quickly actually when you're looking at them a year later they've probably put it back on because they couldn't keep that weight loss off because the process they've done like you say it's been very extreme five miles bars a day and that's it or actually five miles bars they're probably not in calorie well, actually, deficit no i was gonna say <laughs> so, maybe
3: probably more like two isn't it no. or three <laughs> so
4: um but if they've come really strict and it's been so restrictive that's not achievable in the long term so people tend to do it on a really short period um when you mentioned earlier people tend to do it for things like oh i want to wear that dress yeah. oh i want to do it for that holiday people do it for short-term goals so actually they're not looking at trying to change their diet for the long term and then actually it just becomes unsustainable we don't keep it going and therefore actually we're not going to improve our long term health but actually also we become really disappointed with it because
3: we probably haven't achieved what we really wanted It's bringing me on to a different school of thought that's just popped into my head is that how are we going to teach the younger generations then in terms of how we approach calories and nutrition? We've given a pretty good for and against the fact that for some people it's very beneficial, others it's not so much. There's a different availability. Macro counting is a new thing that people are doing. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on macro counting or counting the carbs, proteins and fats in foods. I think it's quite complex for people. Mm. And
4: actually, for a lot of people, it's just a step too far. Yeah. Because it's too individual. So actually, unless you know what your requirements are, then actually you can get it really quite wrong. Yeah. And particularly a number of the apps that are out there, there's been some work done and it's shown they're actually really quite inaccurate. Yes. So actually, if you've got an inaccurate app, and you've got your values wrong you can really be getting it quite wrong and it's again it's got that bit of it would work for some people and not for others Mm. so the area where we see more of its sort of use being helpful is in the sports world
0: Mm.
4: and that's because they're using it for a performance goal so in that area then there can be some beneficial but the majority of people It's probably something I wouldn't go down.
3: No. And do we really want our children to be going into that much depth? Because then surely we move away from teaching them that food is food. Exactly. And actually, it's more
4: about going, actually, do you know what? This is what a balanced and varied diet is like. And actually, it's about enjoying your food, getting to understand what food is, and actually learning to have those skills, again, about cooking it and learning where our food comes from. It's amazing how many times I go out and work with people and they don't actually know where food comes from. Lots of children who actually don't understand the sort of
3: food chain. And actually it's getting back and getting that handle there again. Something that I think we should discuss as well is that as registered nutritionists, going to the right people for nutrition information is of of paramount importance. Oh, absolutely.
4: There is so much misinformation out there. And actually that's not helping because people get the wrong information and that just causes so much confusion so actually being able to identify those people who've got the information and they're they're willing to help they're really helpful they want to help they're just so generous with their time they're actually going out and following them on instagram following them on twitter they're sharing that information freely as well and then if you need to go and get that individual advice Go and find a registered nutritionist, a registered associate nutritionist, find a dietitian. Mm. They're there
3: to support you. I think they're the key kind of phrases to remember because, unfortunately, in the world of nutrition, because it's so emotive, it affects everyone.
4: So everyone's got their own opinion. Yeah, everyone eats. Everyone thinks that they're an expert on
3: food. You've nailed it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think it's all too easy. It can come from a very good place that people will be trying to say, it worked for me. It could work for you. Yeah,
4: and that's it. And I think people are genuinely wanting to help. But sometimes, as they say, isn't it, a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. And sometimes it's just being aware that people have got complex issues going on, and you need to have that knowledge to be able to actually support
0: them in the right way. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
4: A crocodile can't stick out
5: its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare Short-Term Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: Next up we have Professor Giles Yo. Giles is such an incredible speaker. I always learn so much when I'm chatting with him, and he's full of Full of knowledge but i think in such an accessible way that you're all going to really enjoy from this conversation so we've pulled out lots of different parts here such as the importance of where the calories come from is it ultra processed foods the food environment that we live within and of course giles delves a lot further into the science here looking at macronutrients looking at the definition of health and body fat and what perhaps we could do in this area in the future enjoy Let's start by explaining what a calorie is, I guess, in in simple terms for people, so it can become more of an understanding and an informed um, conversation for everybody.
1: Okay, so a food calorie. There are different types of calories. There's a yes. heat calorie and there's a food calorie. A food calorie is the amount of energy it takes to raise one liter of water one degree Celsius at sea level. So it's a unit of energy, and it's calculated. And you might say, well, how do you work that out? It's calculated by something using something called a bomb calorimeter and that's where it's a sealed container in which you put in a piece of desiccated food desiccated because water doesn't have any caloric content per se for for human beings at any rate mm. and so you burn the food to crisp and around this sealed container is a known volume of water in the water jacket and there's a thermometer in there and put simply you burn the food and measure how much you heat the water by. And that is the number of calories in the food. And so put that's what a calorie is.
3: Yeah. And when you put it that way, it's a very technical thing. It it doesn't really sound like something you're eating. And I guess to a lot of people listening, they may have heard the number 8% difference in your um your colleague's study on the on the muffins. Mm. Now 8% may not sound like a lot to people listening.
1: Mm. It, it it isn't. But you have to remember, our body weight, small, medium, or large, whatever size you are, um, that you are sitting at now, is the cumulative, um, is the cumulative results of thousands of different meals right so so you mm-hmm. don't gain or lose weight overnight people think they do like they have a big meal and it says, oh my god i've gained five pounds you haven't whereas your food the body weight you are is cumulative over many years which means that even a small difference 5 10 15 calories but over you know a thousand days that becomes a lot of calories uh, when you actually begin to be, begin to actually add everything up so eight percent over your lifespan actually ends up being quite a lot of calories and quite a big weight difference um, uh, mm. between different people.
3: But there will also be those individuals out there thinking, but it's common sense that some foods you just shouldn't eat as much of as others. It's it's How do you think we've got to this, this point?
1: Mm. I think that's a very good question. So I... That, I think there are a couple of different answers here. First of all, what kinds of foods do we largely are we largely now exposed to, mm. and and the cost of what kinds of foods? And I think at a at a time when we used to now look before before I continue, I want to I want to point out that I am not a food Nazi. Okay, I believe yes. that we should eat everything that food. is... Oh
3: yeah, food we is, love that, our food. <laughs> that food,
1: is food. But there's certainly some foods we should eat less of than others. Mm. Okay, and I think that that's the situation. And it just so happens that in the current food environment that we're that we're living in, there is a proliferation of lots of foods that we should be eating less of. Um, um, and this you, you can use whatever language you want. Some people call it junk food, some people call yeah. it ultra-processed foods, some people call it energy dense foods, whatever mm-hmm. foods you want to you, you, you want to say while they're all different types of foods you know you you got to consider some foods are going to be uh, for every given gram slightly less healthy than others and so while fine at in in moderation you have to eat slightly less of this the problem is in the current food environment that we're actually living in just take ultra-processed foods uh, uh, as as an example that we get now in a high-income country such as the UK, uh, anywhere from 50 to 60% of our food calories now come from ultra-processed foods. Now, the problem with ultra-processed foods is it does three things. It strips out protein and it strips out fiber, depending on the type of, of, of food you're talking yeah. about. And it also strips out flavor. And because it strips out flavor, you have to replace flavor, which comes from salt, sugar, and fat, the Holy Mm. Trinity. Mm. So ultra-processed foods tend to be high in salt, sugar, fat, and lower in protein and fiber. Okay? So now on the uh, and so therefore become very calorically available because it is protein and fiber that make the food, that make your body have to work harder in order to extract uh, in order to extract the calories, yeah. so if we look from a purely calories point of view, then we could be looking at a 400 calories of a of a whole food, a steak, uh, a sweet corn, vegetables, whatever, compared to 400 calories of an ultra processed item, then you're gonna extract a lot more calories from exactly a lot more energy from exactly the same caloric content of food. Um, mm. um, so this is why whole foods. It's one of these things, we try and encourage people to eat more whole foods, even while acknowledging that ultra-processed foods, modern foods, have made it more convenient to us and probably has played a big role in feeding the 7 billion people um, um, in the world. The issue is not that ultra-processed foods are bad per se, I want to argue, some disagree with me, but the issue is that we're having too much ultra-processed foods and we need to eat more whole, uh, more whole foods. So yeah. the the food environment we are living in is substantially different. Yeah. Um, and so in the past where we wouldn't have had a reason to have calorie content of food because you went and you bought meat and you bought vegetables, and even now when you buy meat and vegetables, there's no calorie content on the chicken Mm. you bought, for example. But because the food is pre-prepared now and largely pre-prepared, by law, they have to have the calorie counts. People are becoming to be exposed more to the calorie. And so therefore it's becoming to be more weaponized uh, uh, by policymakers in order to try, and also being equated to health. And this is the the issue because Mm. it's so ubiquitous. It's being more equated to health and so, therefore, whenever we talk about the calorie, we always talk about cutting it. We never talk about increasing the calories, largely. Mm. We always mm. talk about cutting the calorie.
3: Yeah. It's, oh, it's such a big topic. Uh, my mind is buzzing with all sorts of questions, thinking what to lead on from that. Because you're you're right that, unfortunately, I mean, I think that it was the broken plate report that came out, mm. the, I think it was the 7th of July, only... a A week or two ago from the time we're recording this podcast that did say that in in terms of socioeconomics and less um, privileged areas in society there were more fast food outlets and their environment um, contains more opportunity to purchase these types of foods we should be having less of it doesn't make them good or bad it just means we shouldn't have so there's there's a huge discrepancy in society there let's talk about the energy and the process in digestion and do we know now how many calories or how much energy that takes? Do we have that answer now?
1: Yeah, we have, we have an average answer because obviously mm. it does depend on how you actually cook the food that influences everything that is there. Mm. But if we just focus simplistically, because it's just easier just to deal with yes. averages, with the three big macronutrients, okay? Yeah. So uh, protein, fat, and carbs, okay? Now, a calorie of protein makes you feel fuller than a calorie of fat than a calorie of carb in that order okay one Mm -hmm. calorie one exact calorie and so the question is why there are two different reasons because protein is a more complex for your body to digest to break Mm -hmm. down so it travels further down the gut and so Mm -hmm. that automatically makes you feel slightly fuller anyway Mm -hmm. and secondly even once it 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 goes across the gut wall and into your body okay it takes longer for your body to metabolize it and more energy so for every 100 calories of protein that you eat, we only ever absorb, on average, 70 calories because it takes 30 calories, 30% to actually of energy given off as heat to take apart and metabolize protein. So first off, if you look at the back of every single packet, the protein calories are 30% out. They're 30% wrong because they don't take into account the heat you give off um, um, when you actually when you actually eat 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 the protein, so that's the that's the macronutrient with the biggest with the biggest difference.
3: Wow. Let Let's look at it on the flip side as well. Mm. What if somebody already has an extremely low body weight, um, you know, and they want to look at putting on weight? Which mm. that, you know, there are people out there that need to do that. We have a few in the nutrition clinic, and I feel like they are completely overlooked because this isn't helping them either, is it?
1: it isn't helping them either because because then well what are they supposed to be eating yeah. are they supposed to, are they eating the right things in order to gain in order in order to gain weight um, or people might say well then you might be of a the other thing is people trying to gain weight and there are also people who are slightly larger okay mm-hmm. they then they then will go but are metabolically healthy Okay? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they're told they need to lose the weight. But say they're naturally just stockier or larger. Okay, Whatever yeah. words you want to use. I'm not using this pejoratively. But you're going to have skinny people. You're going to have medium-sized mm-hmm. people and larger people. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be some larger people out there who are perfectly metabolically healthy. But yet, because of th- their weight, are now being told, and because they eat more calories, are now being told to lose the weight or lose the calories. And I think it's this non-nuance it's this inability to have a mature discussion about what it means to be healthy and what it means to eat healthily and and i think that's toxic and i think Mm. we need to uh, we need to have a better look at ourselves and Mm. have a better look at how we speak about nutrition and what we mean by health
3: yeah i think it's it's very cruel, actually, when you do look at, I think, people in different industries, if like I use the example of the fitness industry, but from experience for those people out there, because it is acceptable to want to lose body fat as well. And I like to use the word body fat rather mm. than weight for some Correct. of these individuals. Yeah, I think it's more helpful. And it's valid to want to do that, that's totally okay. But just exercising more, in most cases I've found, isn't the effective way to do it. It is overall lifestyle changes that take a very long time. And I would actually say diet may have a bigger impact before exercise does anyway, because it's the harder thing to make, you eat three times a day, sometimes six times a day. We all eat at varying amounts, but you will do it every single day. So it's a habit or it's a way of life that has to be looked at on an individual level. It's very difficult for Public Health England and for any um, public health campaign, regardless of where you live in the world, to come up with something that is going to work for everybody. It's an impossible challenge. Now, I had to put this discussion in next with Faye Townsend, who is one of my team in the Retrition Clinic. She's a fabulous registered nutritionist. She specialises in sports nutrition, and we discuss... Uh, body fat loss here on this episode and I've pulled out some really important information about calories in, calories out, the fact that body fat loss is actually far more complex and of course the element of exercise and weight loss and the numbers that I think a lot of people get very wrapped up in when we're, we're going on this journey. Also a little nod here of course to gut health, portion sizes and fibre as well. I think um, we'll start by discussing the fact that obviously this is one of the most commonly asked questions that we get in clinic. Um, in order to lose fat, would you say it's just as simple as consuming fewer calories than you burn each day and exercising frequently? What, what do you think on it?
2: Yeah, I think you're so right there. It is the most common question that we get in the clinic. And I think when it comes to changing your body, there's no topic that's kind of more polarizing than that calories in versus that calories out. I mean, at one side, you have those kind of gym bros kind of shouting calorie deficit at you. Um, kind of argue that it is the be-all and end-all of weight loss. But then on the other side, you have those people that say, oh, no, calories don't matter. But I think the fundamental concept of weight loss appears to be quite simple. Um, like you said, when we take in less energy than you burn, you'll lose weight. But the saying kind of eat less, move more only really takes into account kind of the calories that you eat and the calories that you burn through exercise and daily activities. But I think we know that it's much more complex than that and there's so much more involved in that energy balance equation. I mean, energy balance includes all the inner complex workings of our body, as well as the external factors that ultimately impact that calorie in, calories out. So the way that I would view it is that, yes, you do need to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight, but simply just focusing on calories in versus calories out, I think is a little bit oversimplistic and
3: misguided. (laughs) Perhaps you could share with everyone um when it comes to working out what what's best for focusing on losing body fat.
2: Yes, this is a question that always gets asked as well, but I think it's firstly important to say that exercise alone isn't really an appropriate strategy for weight loss. I mean, of course, when you exercise, you will burn calories, which will help kind of tip you into that energy balance in the right direction. But for some reason, when people just purely focus on exercise, they often maybe don't get the results that they want to. And this might be because when people exercise, it can actually increase your appetite. And also it can cause what we call your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So this is called NEAT, and that causes it to decrease. So, what that's suggesting is that people that maybe just increase their activity levels, also I say the exercise, it might be that for the rest of the day they're maybe more sedentary or they're sitting still, and um, so their overall energy expenditure is perhaps less. I mean, I'm definitely not saying that that's the case for everybody, but it's important to make note of that. That for some people that just purely focus on exercise and maybe don't assess the diet, then you may not get the results that you want. And In addition to this, people often kind of overestimate kind of how many calories are actually used up when we are exercising. So, for example, if we were to go for, I don't know, a a 30-minute run, it might be that you will use up approximately, I don't know, 200, 300 calories. Um, That's actually quite an easy number to take back through our diet. It might be that you just have a little extra food at dinner or maybe a chocolate bar. So... I think people maybe overcomplicate things slightly by just thinking about okay what type of exercise will help me lose body fat when actually just maybe increasing your your neat or just simply moving more is often overlooked as a as a weight loss strategy and actually that is what's contributing the largest thing
3: towards our kind of overall energy expenditure. Yes, exactly. And we haven't even discussed really the impact that gut health could have yeah of course there's a big link isn't there Faye between between our gut health between stress genetics hormones all of it
2: exactly I think like you said if we're purely focusing on macros or purely focusing on um, calories things like fiber is forgotten and actually when we have a fibrous diet that is going to feed into our guts and actually there's been a lot of research coming around now that obesity actually appears to be characterized by specific alterations in the composition of our gut microbiota. I mean, I'm, I'm by no means an expert in this field, but our gut microbiota, basically all those trillions of species of bacteria that l- residue in our gut, can influence both ends of that energy balance equation. It can influence how we utilize energy from our diet, and it can influence a host of genes that regulate energy expenditure as well. So if we don't have fiber, we're not going to have those pre to actually feed that gut bacteria
3: amelia thompson and i now go on to discuss weight gain at work i think this is so topical and such an important discussion to have because as a registered nutritionist amelia and myself both believe in of course evidence-based advice but we are very aware of the fact that mood and our psychology the psychological aspects can really impact our food choices so let's listen to this discussion with amelia
5: Ultimately, if we are looking at this in a very reductionist view in terms of weight management, we know that calories are indeed kind of top of the tier. They are the most important thing for weight management, but it's so reductionist and it really removes the emphasis on any sort of healthful nutrition whatsoever. Calories are just a measure of energy. You know, we have to be very, very mindful of negating all these healthful constructs of food by solely focusing on calories. And, you know, what if a banana is 130 calories, but, you know, a a Cocoa Pops or other cereal bar is, you know, (laughs) 70 calories. Yeah. Is, Is that one, you know, which is better? obviously the banana because it's higher in fiber but if you're going by these hundred calorie guidelines then you are completely negating all of the other benefits that that piece of fruit will have versus the cereal bar so i think it's important calorie education i think is important but i often i don't really think that our the obesity epidemic that we have at the moment is because we don't understand calories i don't think that that's really the key issue here
3: no, I agree. And what, what worried me as well about this is obviously it's going to impact choices that people going to work make, which will impact their concentration or pro- productivity potentially, but it's also targeted at children. And, you know, you want kids to be eating fruit and vegetables, but as you quite rightly said, a banana may be more than 100 calories. So, you know, people might end up going for these crisp packets that are not nutritionally balanced. It's It's extremely confusing. And being unhappy in general as well in your life perhaps you're going to work let's say you're stressed you are not making good choices at the moment you're lacking motivation and this can often lead to people wanting to eat more anyway doesn't it and opting for more snacks as well but how would you advise someone to tackle this type of boredom because i think an 100 calorie snack message is probably not going to be right for that type of person either
5: Absolutely. And I actually think in these situations, we need to take the emphasis away from the actual food and put the emphasis on the feeling. And this is the issue that I think our society has at the moment is that we are, we have been conditioned not to feel, we have been conditioned to have a stiff upper lip Mm -hmm. and not discuss or acknowledge how we actually feel. And when we do this, we then turn to things like food as a way to distract ourselves so that we don't allow ourselves to feel or potentially to actually suppress these feelings and you know if you look there's some really interesting research that looks at what happens when we try and suppress our feelings with food so if we're say for example stressed or bored and we don't allow ourselves to feel it is that we actually end up taking that negative feeling and it leads to an increased consumption in calories specifically from these kind of quote-unquote comfort foods. Whereas if we acknowledge the feeling and we be appraised the, f- the feeling and so sort of put up almost positivity spin on it, we end up eating fewer calories. So it really starts with the kind of take it when we feel that something is, is going on, we feel that maybe boredom is kicking in, that we actually take a pause. And that's the hardest part for people to do is just to stop for a second yeah. and check in and see you know, what do I feel right now? And doing something as simple as just naming your feeling, whether that be boredom or frustration or sadness, and then asking yourself, what will support this specific feeling? And if it's boredom, the chances are that, you know, a chocolate bar is not going to entertain you as much as coffee with your colleague is going to to entertain Mm. you. And I think, you know, in the workplace, it's important for our employers to allow that flexibility where it's possible that says, you know, if you are bored, you can just take 20 minutes out and, and have coffee with your work colleague rather than having to stay at your desk and continue to work. And the only distraction that you have for yourself is food. Hmm. So I think that we really I just think the important part here is really focusing on the emotion and the feeling rather than saying, I'm just going to not have that food there, which can be helpful short term but I'm actually going to look at how I manage and regulate
3: my emotions. Wonderful. Thank you, everybody, for your contributions to this week's episode. If you're enjoying Food for Thought, you're going to love what's coming up next. So if you don't subscribe, make sure you do. It's the way that it just pops up on your phone. You get a notification and you'll be the first to hear it each Monday. It would also be amazing if you are a fan of Food for Thought that you could kindly leave us a review. These reviews do actually make a huge difference and they can help us, of course, reach more people and get the information out there to those that need it the most. If you're looking, of course, as well, for more information about perhaps my latest book, Deliciously Healthy Pregnancy, at the Retrition Clinic for one-to-one nutrition advice and healthy recipes, then just head on over to Retrition.com where everything's there in one place. We also have some fabulous evidence-based blogs that are updated weekly, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter, which comes out every Tuesday morning. Now, of course, Retrition Plus is now here, so for evidence-based supplements that you can actually trust, hooray, it took me long enough, but it's finally there, you can go and check out RetritionPlus.com. And of course, please do follow me on all social channels at Retrition and at Retrition Plus.
0: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.